From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are rocking it on another great edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. Heard on the radio, 91.7 KLZR in Southern Colorado and around the world as a podcast. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking about cars. I have a packed show for you this week. What week hasn't been packed? I don't know, but we got some really fun stuff. A bombshell of a story from Dodge. In fact, it's more like three or four stories together, but we're going to condense it all down. We're going to make it into something interesting. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. Dodge is jumping on the EV bandwagon. We knew they were doing this already. We This is, uh, this is not news, but the car that they are doing it with, a new concept, and it's only in the concept stages, um, that is new, and it is interesting, and it has uh, definitely got the world talking about it. And, of course, we're going to talk about it on this show, and uh, I'm, I'm a little critical of it. I am a little critical of it, but we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why it's weird. It has fake, like, sounds, by the way. It's an electric car with sound. Anyway, <laughs> I won't get ahead of myself. We are going to talk about that. Uh, Dodge is also getting sued, by the way, for something entirely different. We're going we're gonna to delve into a little bit of uh, how ridiculous this lawsuit is. And then Koenigsegg is quickly becoming my favorite supercar manufacturer. I, I think this is, uh, <laughs> I think it's really cool. Uh, they have uh, done some pretty revolutionary stuff with their latest model, uh, their CC850. And uh, it's interesting because I think it has ramifications for other areas of the car world. And it's not just, ooh, supercar manufacturer makes fast car. Big, you know, big deal, right? This is really cool. And namely, they have devised a manual transmission with a clutch that is also a nine-speed automatic at the same time as being a six-speed manual with a shifter, with a clutch. It's really cool how they've gone into some of the engineering on this. We're going to delve into that. I also have some sound clips to play from Christian von Koenigsegg himself, so you definitely want to stick around for that. Again, uh, Koenigsegg very quickly becoming maybe one of the cooler supercar manufacturers. I do like them quite a bit. So anyway, uh, before we get into any of that, I, there is a story here. <laughs> this is fun. I have to talk about this. Uh, if you were keeping tabs on the um, Automotive ADHD Facebook page, you might have seen this. I posted it yesterday, uh, and it's interesting. It's from the Czech Republic, and there's a gentleman who's driving down the highway when in his car, you know, when he spots another car driving on the highway alongside him, and it's not any regular car. In fact, it is very different from any regular car. In fact, it is a formula race car just cruising on the highway, the, the, the whole thing. And uh, now specifically, it is a Dallara GP2 08, which is a GP2 race car. But having said that, it is uh, picture picture a Ferrari F1 car. Picture that. Okay, you're looking at the right car, basically. And uh, what's interesting is uh, some rounds, uh, some videos of this guy driving around have been going around social media, been going around Twitter and a few other things. And it turns out this guy is known for this. He and he wasn't the one posting it. It's just this guy. He hasn't even come forward. We don't know who he is, but whoever he is, he likes to drive around his open wheel formula race car 
uh, on public roads. And oh no, it's not street legal. No, not at all. Nothing about it is street legal. And I don't think anyone cares. I don't think a cop is going to see that and pull him over for not having, you know, plates. I don't think it's going to happen. If, if anything, a cop's going to pull him over and ask to take a picture of the car with him because it's that cool. And uh, what's hilarious, and you just have to go watch the video, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. It's funny, if you kind of just watch the whole thing. Um, there's one, uh, one shot where uh, the person filming uh, driving in another vehicle passes the guy and he just kind of looks at him with the helmet on. He's got the full fire suit on, the helmet, everything. This is cool. This man is living life to the fullest. And uh, he was also cruising with some other other fast cars because, you know, I was watching that and saying, you know, what is keeping up with this guy? He's in a freaking race car, open wheel formula car. What's keeping up with him? Oh, oh, it's a Bugatti following him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that explains it. <laughs> that explains it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, by the way, the um, Delara GP2 uh, was uh, built between 2008 and 2010. Just to give you some uh, some stats on this car, uh, it has a 4-liter V8 that sounds a whole lot like an F1 car engine. Just real high pitch, real cool. Uh, and um, now they say it has about 600 horsepower. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, doesn't sound like a ton. But when you're talking about a very, very light open-wheel race car with a ton of aerodynamic grip and all sorts of stuff, yeah, that's a fast car. That's a fast car. And he's just, just dude's just driving it on the street. And from the videos, too, looks like he's still on the slicks as well. The tires look pretty slick to me. Uh, so, you know, that's, I uh, hope, hope it doesn't rain on him. <laughs> that would suck. Um, but, yeah, how cool is that? This guy... Truly a gentleman and a scholar driving around in his Formula race car on the street. And uh, how cool is that? And this happened in the Czech Republic of all places. So, um, yeah, I, I've never thought of the Czech Republic uh, in terms of car scene. In fact, I don't know anything about the Czech Republic's car scene. I know, I know literally nothing about it there. But it seems pretty cool to me because uh, my first um, view of the Czech car scene is a dude driving around in a Formula race car on public roads followed by by a Bugatti Chiron. That's they seem like they have a cool car scene. I'll say that much. If I have any listeners in the uh, Czech Republic, uh, I know I have listeners all across Europe and uh which again, I've, I've said it before on the show. It's always mind-blowing to me that there's folks listening to me in Europe. That's nuts. I'm just little old Colorado here up in the mountains, right? Uh but uh no, that said, uh if there's any listeners in the Czech Republic, I would love to hear from you. I I got to know what the car scene is like there. That's awesome. And the Czech Republic is on my list of places to visit on a Europe tour one day. One day. It might be might be really fun. So anyway, uh, I want to move on from that. That is just too cool. I that's just I, I've just, you know, <laughs> I'm just gushing with emotions with how cool that is. But anyway, uh, I want to move on and um, uh, cover a quick topic, give you a little bit of an update regarding the Kia boys. Yeah, I talked about the Kia boys on a previous edition of the show a couple weeks back. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with it, essentially, uh, there is an exploit uh, that allows people with very little skill and very little technical know-how to use a USB cable and steal a late model Kia or Hyundai product with the USB cable. It involves breaking open the steering column and using the actual box end, the metal end of the USB cable, uh, to bridge some contacts in the uh, key cylinder. And uh, this has become, it's so easy to do apparently, and it's become so prolific because of a 
uh, because of TikTok, predominantly because of TikTok, because of social media, it's become very prolific. Uh, and there have been thefts all across the country, perhaps in other countries too. Uh, and Kia has come out with a response to this. Finally, uh, Kia slash Hyundai—they are—they are effectively the same company here, as far as this is concerned. Um, and they have come out saying that they are acknowledging the issue, and they are saying that late model now 2022 model cars are no longer susceptible to the issue, but. Having said that, they have not prescribed any dealer, you know, or manufacturer approved fix for this. Instead, they suggest the installation of an aftermarket security system installed by the dealer at the customer's expense. Yeah, this seems like a inherent design flaw. This seems like something that would absolutely be the responsibility of the manufacturer and telling you to telling the literally tens of thousands of owners who've had their cars stolen and bear in mind uh, i won't go into the full story about the kia boys if you want to hear that and if you want to hear some interesting on the street interviews with some alleged kia boys and again the kia boys they, they steal kias that's what they do um if you want to hear that uh that is on a um uh earlier edition of the show and you can find that in your podcast feed uh but uh, the fact that they are acknowledging that this is a problem and then telling you that the fix is an aftermarket solution that they didn't develop and that you have to pay for to have installed at the dealer. I just I don't see that. I, come on, like Kia, you are you are a major, major auto manufacturer with engineers and technicians and all sorts of design and suppliers and tons of things, it, all of the things that go into a car company and they don't have a fix for this yet that seems very interesting to me that they don't uh then they also recommended the use and this was my recommendation a few weeks ago i said in the short term until we hear from kia uh i would suggest getting to prevent the theft of a car if you're an owner of one of these cars you know someone who is i i suggested getting a steering wheel lock sometimes referred to as a steering wheel club you just you know lock it in place alongside the steering wheel prevents the steering wheel from being turned it's got a big old bar it's a big old pole basically that latches into the um, the steering wheel, and I suggested that. Now, they're also saying that that is a uh, thing that they would recommend owners do. Uh, it, it's just, it's so interesting that we live in a time where this is a problem with cars. You could steal them with a USB cable. I don't know. But another issue with the Kia boys, and I've talked about this at length, is that they're just joyriders. That's all they are. They're, they're joyriders. They are stealing these cars, not even to make money, not even to park these things out, none of the above. Their whole goal is to steal the cars and then go drive them around crazy speeds on tiny little streets and crash them. That's the point. The point is to do that. I Gosh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, what you can do at the moment is probably not rely on Kia or Hyundai for a fix. Uh, now, it will be interesting to see if uh, they have, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they come up with an approved fix for this. And if they do, I do not believe this is something the customer should uh, fork out money for. Uh, this is something that should be handled much like a safety recall. While this does not directly influence the vehicle safety on the road itself, uh, which is usually a criteria for a recall to happen and for the you know for for them to be required by law to provide a free fix 
This might not check all the boxes for that, but it really, the significance of the problem, I think, merits that they do that, that they fix this issue for free. This is not something I think a customer should be responsible for. They shouldn't just issue a technical service bulletin saying, hey, we're aware of the problem, and here are a couple solutions, and then just tell the customer, well, you got to pay for it. That's a lot like this, very similar to the 3G network shutdown um, that I talked about in length on a previous episode of the show as well that happened earlier this year. And that necessity, see that, that that necessitated customers in order to continue using features in their car to pay for a fix, right? To, to pay for a 3G or a, now a new 4G, you know, communications module or whatever in your car. That's a little different because that is your car aging out, a piece of technology being phased out. And if you want to keep your car running or communicating with the network or doing whatever, uh, that's different, right? That's that's something you do is, I won't say a maintenance item, but see, that, that makes sense, right? But having a blatant safety issue regarding the theft of these cars is nothing like that. The customer shouldn't be on the hook for this stuff. So uh, there you go. Now, anyway, if you do own one of these kia products you do have my sympathy not because it's stolen but because it's a it's a kia but <laughs> no offense no offense i don't know i don't know but hey there you go now we're going to be getting into a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about dodge and their new e-muscle uh, i'm i'm skeptical of it and i'll tell you about it here coming up in just a minute and now for how things work with an engineer rotary engines regret and that was How Things Work with an Engineer. For more of How Things Work, go to patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. Alright, those car sounds coming courtesy of Artem and his TVR Cerbera. That is a very cool car, but that specific one that he has, has some really really cool story behind it and i i have to take a minute to talk about it because for one you don't come across tvr cerberus very often uh tvr by the way is a british sports car manufacturer that has been in and out of business and bankruptcy and all sorts of things over its existence um but that one in particular is interesting because that just isn't that isn't just any tvr cerberus no that is the famous tvr cerberus from Max Power Magazine, and it was also on Ed Bolian's Car Trek number seven. That exact car, uh, Ed Bolian purchased it and brought it into the United States uh, for the Car Trek series that he does on on YouTube. And uh, so that car has some interesting history. Now, Max Power is a magazine from the early 2000s. It's a car magazine. And this is the height of early 2000s car design. Think big body kits, crazy paint jobs, insane interior color schemes, neon lights, sound systems, all of it. The works, right? And uh, that's kind of the style that Max Power was known for. And that car was built to be on the Max Power magazine. Uh, and uh, that CBR, or that uh, Cerbera, rather, was also known as the Charisma Cerbera Um Specifically relating to the shop that built it, which was also known as Charisma. Think of Charisma as the UK's version of West Coast Customs. Think of them kind of like that, right? So, again, known for really over-the-top styling and crazy, crazy stuff like that. Crazy aesthetics, for sure. 
Um, and uh, it's just an interesting, interesting story. And I, I am honored to play that car sound on this show because it that is, you know, that is the not just a TVR Cerbra that happened to be. No, that is the Max Power TVR Cerbra that was also on Car Trek with Ed Bolian. I guess that's just that's a super cool story. That car also is very interesting. Uh, mechanically, it's got a flat plane crank, makes somewhere about 360 horsepower. That did change depending on which year of TBR Cerbra you you could find. Uh, but also those those TVRs, they're not they're not common cars. They're not common at all. <laughs> So that is uh, that is very cool, Artem. I uh, I am I'm so thankful that you sent that in, and um, and uh, that is just it's a super cool story. I wanted to share that. And uh, now he also sent in some sounds of another TVR that he owns, and I think I think we'll save that for next week. He did he this you know he is a uh, connoisseur of TVRs, which you don't find those folks around often, and you definitely don't find them in the U.S. often. If at all. So uh, very cool stuff there. Now, of course, if you want to send in your car sounds, you can do it and you should do it. Why aren't you doing it? You get you when you do send it in, send car sounds in, you are entered for a chance to win not only the automotive ADHD keychain, not only a $25 parts store gift card, but also the as heard on the automotive ADHD show sticker. Yes, you can stick that on your car. You can Stick it on your refrigerator. You can stick it on your toolbox. I, I don't care where you put it. You can put it in your bathroom, too, really. If you if you want to see my show's logo and be reminded of your own tastes in podcasts while you're in the bathroom, please go ahead and do it. I don't care where you put that. In fact, the weirder the place you can put it, probably, probably the better, right? They say there's no bad publicity. Well, I don't chat... I'm not going to encourage you any further than that. I uh, we don't we don't need a we don't need an incident there. But having said that, um, yeah, you get entered to win all of that stuff, and uh, that's super cool. I do the drawing for that every month, and uh, that's cool. So you know what? You should send them in. You can do it. Facebook.com/slash/automotive/adhd. Also, you can email me Matt at throttlewarrior.com. I love doing the car sounds. It's not just because I like hearing cool car sounds, which is. Is true, but I I like having this as an extra point of interaction with you, the listener, because on a live radio show, and I do live radio, but on a radio show, you have interaction, you have the ability to call into the show, you've got different methods of doing that. On a live stream on the internet, you still have that interaction, but on a podcast here, you're limited, right? And this is one of the coolest things I can do, and also, I like hearing cars. I just, you know what? That, that's re- that's really what it is. <laughs> that's really what it is. So there you go. Now, I want to move on to something else. Speaking of car sounds, speaking of interesting, strange, weird, electric car sounds, let's talk about this. Dodge. You knew this was coming this week. I, I This is one of those things that has been so prolific on social media this week. Dodge announced this at a press conference uh, last week, technically, but it was a bombshell in the automotive scene because of how interesting it is. And Dodge is doing this on purpose, right? And I am very critical of it too. Now don't don't get me wrong here. I'm I'm not saying, "Oh boy, here's an EV. Let's all get on the EV bandwagon." Obviously, if you're a listener of my show, you know my stance on EVs. I've said it in the past. But this one's interesting, right? And and it's interesting about it is how it makes noise. Now, Dodge unveiled a concept car version of this. Now, bear in mind, it is just that. It is a concept car. 
and it is a, the Dodge Charger Daytona, bringing back that Daytona nameplate, right? Uh, and it's an electric car that it does look very good. I will give them that, the styling of it. This looks the closest to an actual production car um, I've seen when it comes to an actual concept car. Concept cars tend to be a little too ambitious in design, I think. And a lot of times I shy away from talking about concept cars because they're all kind of meaningless and they don't really reflect a whole lot of what we're going to see in a real production car. However, this thing looks very production ready. This looks like something that could actually exist. Uh, and it does. They have a physical working model of it that they unveiled for their press conference. And what they want to do, and I'll just give you the facts here first, and then I'll give you my opinion, because my opinion might not be a popular one with how popular this car is, but uh, that said, I think you know, you might know my opinion. I think we might be on the same page on this, but regardless, this, uh, this Dodge, it's electric. It has an 800-volt electrical system, which is similar to the Porsche Taycan, which is uh, Porsche's EV offering. Um, with uh, more general electric cars, uh, like the Nissan Leaf, for instance, those have a 350-volt, known as a 400-volt system, and uh, so this has twice the volts, for whatever that's worth. That doesn't mean it's necessarily twice the power. The, volt the way voltage in electric motors works is um, not quite as cut and dry as it sounds. However, uh, this is a car that is interesting because it makes a noise. And how does an electric car make a noise? And should an electric car make a noise? Hmm. Think about that, right? Well, let me play a sound clip of it for you here. We're going to just uh, roll into it right here with this. This is what it sounds like. And is this really? I, I don't know. Just listen to it. Here you go. So... What exactly did you just hear right there? That doesn't sound like any car sound I'm familiar with. And it is Dodge's intention to build an electric car and involve some of that noise that we love in muscle cars. And what you have with this is, look, we as enthusiasts say, eh, we don't like electric cars because there's no sound, there's no involvement, there's none of this. They say, okay, here you go. Here's an electric car with sound now allegedly this isn't just speakers on the car playing the sound now i would assume that that low rumble you hear that's got to be speak like this they say this is they say they're actually amplifying the real sound of the electric motors but that doesn't to me especially the just the humming sound being stationary does not sound like that to me and also the fact that the car is able to be moving forward at the same time as it's revving. I mean, it sounds totally fabricated to me, but they say, Dodge claims, that they are able to amplify the sound of the actual electric motors to 120 decibels. And is this something that needs to exist? And I'm going to come out and just say flat, flatly, no, no, absolutely not. Okay, because here's the problem. As enthusiasts, we say, eh, we want cars with sound. And then they go, okay, here's a car with sound. But the problem is the sound doesn't need to exist. That's the problem. With gas cars, the sound of the car is the byproduct of the function of the car. Now, you could argue this is close to that because they claim they're amplifying the electric motor sound, which I don't think is I don't think is very true. They have not explained how they've done that. Um, 
they just uh, assigned a very arbitrary brand name to the process of doing that. But they haven't, I, they, they've not been clear on that. And again, this is a concept car. But the thing is, electric cars inherently don't make a whole lot of noise. And I think it's disingenuine to make an electric car make a lot of noise. A muscle car has a big lopy idle and a big choppy sound to it because it's got a huge V8 in it with some aggressive cam. And it sounds like that as a function, uh, as, as part of its form, as what it is, it you know, what it is necessitates how it sounds. The fact that you think of it this way, electric cars, you're trying to amplify a sound that's really not there. Whereas gas cars, you have to muffle this insanely loud engine that's sitting in there. You have to muffle that. You have to try to make that quieter of all things, as opposed to just straight piping it, right? And this is interesting to me. Um, I don't think this actually hits well with enthusiasts. Um, Dodge, on the other hand, I will commend them on their branding of this. They want to be known as the big, brazen, loud muscle car company when it comes to the EV space. They want to create this brand image. And they have some pretty, you know, edgy marketing to the effect of that. They're running TV ads and doing stuff saying, ooh, yeah, we just went electric. What are you going to do about it? Who cares, right? So they're trying to play the tough guy here. But when you actually look at the function of the vehicle, they say this vehicle is going to be all-wheel drive. Cool. Um, it's going to have a, uh, a, a, you know, a burnout mode where it's just rear-wheel drive. Okay, cool. And that it's going to be loud and that, you know, that they have been responsible for waking up neighbors for decades and that they're not stopping with their electric cars. So I commend them on the consistency of their branding. They want to differentiate themselves from the standard EV stuff. But that's not exactly what enthusiasts asked for, though. No one asked for an electric car that makes a noise. No one's asking for that. In fact, anytime any gas car, think of it this way, a lot of modern gas cars pipe fake engine noise into the cabin because they want to have a quieter exhaust, but they want the driver to still hear the engine. Well, they pipe in fake engine noise. The uh, brand new Toyota GR86, as well as its uh, BRZ brother, do the same thing. They pipe engine noise in. And in fact, a lot of owners and current owners who just purchased their cars have had to disable that feature because it's annoying and it's disingenuous again. If, I, if my car is making noise, I want it to make noise for a reason. That is, that is, I think, anyone who appreciates the mechanical nature of cars, I think, would feel that this is a little fraudulent. And sure, are they actually amplifying the sound of the motors? Maybe. But does that really matter? No, not really. They're amplifying something that's kind of not there, which is just that's that's where the point of, you know, that that's where the point of controversy comes with this car. Is it a good looking car? Absolutely. I think it's a good looking car. It's got some very interesting design elements. It's got um, the whole front end of it just looks it, it looks classically Dodge and American while being pretty modern, which is cool. Uh, is it going to be fast? Oh, yeah, it's going to be fast. In fact, it's going to be faster, according to Dodge, than any of their current V8 offerings, which is fine. We know electric cars are fast. And critics um, or people who are, you know, countering the argument saying, well, you're just butthurt because you don't own one of these cars. You know, you don't own one. This is faster than anything you own. So stop complaining. Um, yeah, is an electric car faster? Does it have more torque? Yes, it does. 
Uh, do I care? No, not really. Because I, I, if I wanted to buy the fastest car around, I, I would have done that. But I bought a car. You know, I buy cars. You know, because of is especially a sports car or a muscle car. You know, I buy that because of the feeling that that car provides. The driver engagement, the fun factor, is all something you can quantify as the whole package. You remove any of the one things from it. You remove the engine noise. Not as much fun. You remove the manual transmission instead. Still not as much fun, right? So when you're buying something for that driver engagement, and then you tell people, we're going to take that away, but give you a fake replicated sound of it. I think a lot of people don't like that. I think a lot of the especially older muscle car buying demographic, uh, people who are in their 60s and are retired and have uh, quite the sum of money to spend on a muscle car, also aren't really going to appreciate that because they grew up around the original muscle cars when those were, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And now they're replicating that in their, you know, older age, their retirement. They're buying, you know, what they wish they could have bought then. And so I don't know if that's going to sit well. Now, is it, oh yeah, is it going to be fast? Sure. All-wheel drive, electric car uh, is going to be crazy fast. I, I don't care what anyone says. That's They are fast. Um, it's also funny to me, though, that they, uh, in one of their adverts, they showed it doing an all-wheel drive burnout, which is technically possible, but I don't think very many people are going to be doing those because the issue with an all-wheel drive burnout is you typically have to chain the car to something so it can't go anywhere. Being able to do an all-wheel drive burnout and keep the car in place without moving forward at all, that kind of that kind of doesn't work, if you see what I mean. <laughs> but you know what? All-wheel drive burnouts. If they say it does all-wheel drive burnouts and it does all-wheel drive burnouts, that's cool. I'll take that. I'll take that. And again, I commend Dodge. I'm, I'm critical of Dodge here for making something a little disingenuous. But I also commend them for wanting to keep the muscle car factor of this alive, wanting to keep the fun factor of it alive. Now, they also say this car is going to have um, distinct shift points and it's going to have a transmission. Now, it's likely that it's going to have a transmission similar to the Porsche Taycan. Now, the Taycan has a two-speed transmission, um, which, you know, like it's an electric car. Why does it have a transmission? It has a transmission to still find the most efficient point of that electric motor, be that torque or be that efficiency and distance. And it sounds like they're going to do something similar with this and use it to replicate shift points. So they really want to make an electric car palatable to the current enthusiast market. And I think that's a tough sell. I commend them for trying. I commend them for their dedication to it. But also, I think it would make a lot more sense if they just made the car feel a little more genuine, too. And for instance, the revving noise that you heard there, the that doesn't make any sense. Even from like an electric motor perspective, if you're sitting idle with an electric motor, electric motors don't idle. There's no reason for them to rev like that because they don't idle. You're just wasting energy. If you're, and this would assume you have it hooked up to a transmission, right? This is assuming you do. And then you're idling the electric motor. That's entirely pointless. Gas engines have to do that out of necessity. But then making an electric en uh, engine, electric engine, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. No, an electric motor, um, again, it, the whole thing seems, seems uh, kind of fake, if you ask me. So, And what do muscle car buyers want? It's not fakeness, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. So um, they also said this car is going to have a drag mode, a drift mode, a donut mode, a slam mode, whatever that means, uh, and that these modes would be available through Dodge's performance uh, parts department, their catalog, if you will.
which to me, I'm it's purely speculating here. To me, that sounds like uh, micro transactions. I don't know about you. That sounds like a subscription service and or something the car can physically do anyway, but that they have locked behind a software paywall. Tesla's famous for this. We've talked about this before in terms of subscription services. Uh, BMW has taken a huge amount of flack from pretty much everyone for its a uh, for its heated seat subscription service model. Now, I'm not saying Dodge is doing subscriptions. I'm purely hypothesizing that those those may even be a one-time purchase. But it still seems weird to have something a car can do physically and then put it behind a software paywall. That seems a little weird to me. Now, where does this leave the rest of the Dodge muscle car lineup? Well, they also announced that the end of the Charger and Challenger muscle car with the current production V8 is near. That 2023 is going to be the end of the current Charger and the current Challenger with the current V8. Now, that doesn't necessarily, I think that's intentionally vague. Um, and, and I'll get into that. But what they're doing, before I get into that, is saying that, okay, this is the end of the current ones, and they're even doing seven special editions, um, and uh, you know, and all of the 2023 models are going to have a little plaque under the hood that says, Last Call. You know, ooh, this is your last chance to get one of these cars uh, with the V8. And this is, I think, purely marketing. This is purely marketing, creating an artificial lack of supply that does not yet exist. And in order to create more demand, I think that's what's going on here. Because they may have another V8 car up their sleeve. It just might not be the current V8. It might be a hybrid V8. It might be a straight six. In fact, they have put a lot of money, Dodges, well, as... Um, Chrysler as a whole has uh, developed and put a lot of money into developing a straight six. I've talked about that before on this show, which is fine. A straight six is a great engine. It absolutely is. I even commended them. I told them, you know, I said this was great when I talked about it probably six months ago on the show. A turbo straight six is efficient. It's torquey. It's fun. And it's very simple to manufacture. There's one cylinder head. They're easier to service uh, because of all the room around them. There's more room for turbochargers. There's stuff like straight sixes are cool engines. There's a reason why the 2JZ is a famous, famous engine, you know, in terms of performance, in terms of, um, you know, uh, you know, working on it, in terms of, you know, all of the things that make a straight six good. That's that's why they're 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 well regarded. And. So Dodge making a straight six, I don't think would be the end of the world. So they're saying this is the end of the current V8 generation and doing all this stuff to make it seem like if you don't buy one now, you're missing out. These are the last ones we're making. I think that is purely marketing, purely marketing. And it's fairly clever marketing at that. Um, they're just not telling you the whole story. Okay, yeah, these are the last of them, but we're coming out with a new body style and we're coming out with the EV one. I don't think they're going to only do the EV thing. I really don't. I really don't think they're going to do that. Will the EV Challenger be fun? Probably. Will it be fast? Definitely. Is it going to be a Dodge? Uh, yeah. They, they've made that clear with their branding that this is still Dodge, right? So I just think it's a little underhand to say that these are the last ones and create all this hype. Now, they are known to do this, too. This is not the first time they've done this. And there is even a lawsuit currently uh, going on right now relating to the Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat version, which they built about 3,000 of them as a special edition. They said, we're only building 3,000 Dodge Durango, the SUV, uh, you know, with the Hellcat engine. And they built 3,000 of them, ceased production of it. 
And that puts it up there in terms of production numbers with the Dodge Demon, which also only had 3,000 uh, you know, units made, right? 3,000 cars made. So um, now the funny thing is, as one of the special editions of the last of the current V8 platform, they are bringing back the Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat after saying they weren't going to do that and that you could only get 3,000 of them. And um, one guy is, uh, is even suing them over it. Um, and uh, on one of the uh, uh, Facebook groups for these vehicles, he's made this whole thread about how he believes this is false advertising, that they said we're only making this number in order to drive up demand, make people want to buy them, and then make more after that. And that he said he's got the lawyer now, the lawsuit's in progress, everything's been sent to Dodge, uh, and the lawsuit is a green light. He is suing them because they are making a Hellcat version of the Durango, which arguably is a good thing. That is arguably a good thing. More supercharged V8s is arguably a great thing. So they're doing that, and now he's suing them over it. It's absolutely mind-blowing, right? So they're, we're, we're, they're basically Dodge is saying, hey, remember that cool car? You wanted more of those? We're going to make more of those. And then he's suing them because they're making more of those cars, and they artificially, you know, created demand with allegedly false advertising. And I think... I think given that Dodge is known to do this, that the whole notion that the Dodge muscle car lineup is going away, these are the last ones, they deliberately, uh, and I'm, I try to get into this without you know going to the realm of conspiracy, but they deliberately do this you know whole unveiling of an EV concept car. Bear in mind, again, it's only a concept. No official numbers are on it yet, nothing else. They won't tell us horsepower. They won't do any of that. Um, they deliberately do the concept and unveil that at the same time as telling you that we are ceasing production of the current version of our muscle cars and then kind of implying that we're ceasing production of these V8s that you love to make this electric thing that we think you'll love. But deep down, they probably know there's going to be buyers who are just never going to jump on that bandwagon. And then what do they do? 2024 comes around. All right. Yeah, we got the EV version. Maybe that's, you know, a little bit later, but here's some more gas versions of these cars for you. And here's a V8. Oh, they use. Oh, you said you weren't doing the V8. Oh no, we're just not doing that V8 anymore. We have a new platform. Maybe it's overhead cam. Maybe whatever. Right? Maybe it's a hybrid version of it. I think that's what they're doing. Again, I'm trying not to delve into the realm of conspiracies, but I think that is the writing on the wall, and that is my take on it. And I don't know if anyone else has kind of concluded the same take I have. I think everyone is still stuck on the oh, it's an electric car that makes noise. That's a great distraction, isn't it? I'm just <laughs> just saying. And it's interesting. Uh, do you really want to hear that electric car? OK, tell you what, tell you what, you know, let me play that sound for you one more time. One more time. I'll just play a short clip of it. Um, does that I mean, it's cool that it makes noise, but. Does that does it sound as cool as a supercharged V8? Is that gonna make buyers who want supercharged V8s buy it any more than say another manufacturer who is making a supercharged V8? Again, it's neat that it makes a noise and allegedly it's from the motor itself, but it doesn't sound good. Here, here, listen to it again. Again. Does that sound good? It's interesting, but is it good? I'll leave you to decide. I shall leave you to do that. Now, I have some more stuff I want to talk about. Like I said, this is a loaded show full of opinions, full of all sorts of the takes on this stuff. And uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Koenigsegg. They're doing something similar to Dodge in terms of, you know, trying to entice you to get something 
that sort of replicates something that they're taking away from you. But, but this is cool. They're doing it right. Let me contrast this whole notion, everything I talked about with Dodge, and show you how Koenigsegg is doing something similar, and they're doing it right. Gonna talk about that next. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Cars suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash ThrottleWarrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. Did I tell you I was going to give you more supercharged V8 sounds? I might have forgot to tell you that. I don't know. Uh, that specifically, you've heard his car past couple weeks in a row. And I just keep getting great car sounds of Devin's Volvo 240 sedan with an LS V8 stuffed into it with a supercharger, with nitrous, with water methane injection. And that was a pull of it right there. And you can hear that supercharger whine. <laughs> that is so cool. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to send those car sounds in, you know you, you know you want to do it. Just keep it. Why, why do you talk yourself out of doing it? Uh, you know you want to do it. Send them in. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Also, Matt at throttlewarrior.com. Also, get on the Patreon if you're not there yet. You get the show earlier than everyone else, which is kind of cool. Like you, you get this right, like right away. Like there you go. It's yours. You have it to do with uh, what you will with it. I, I don't know. You probably listen to it. I can't imagine you're doing something else with the show other than listening to it. If you are, hey, let me know on that. But yeah, get those car sounds sent in. Check out the Patreon. All sorts of good stuff going on there. Now, I want to conclude the uh, last segment of this show. I know, this time flies so fast, but I want to talk about Koenigsegg um, because Koenigsegg has come out with a very, very cool car. Uh, Koenigsegg is quickly becoming one of my favorite supercar manufacturers, especially when you consider all of the technologically interesting stuff that they do. Um, Ferrari, Lamborghini, you know, even say Mercedes and these other companies, uh, especially European companies, do interesting stuff. They make fast cars. Koenigsegg goes a step further and engineers stuff that no one else is doing. For instance, Koenigsegg's free valve technology, uh, you know, which allows you to independently control each valve via computer without a camshaft whatsoever. There is no camshaft to speak of. And also, if you want to hear about someone who DIY'd their own Koenigsegg free valve, I did talk about uh, Koenigsegg free valve with him. He was a guest on the show way back in December, way back in December. Go all the way back there. His name's Wesley Kagan. He DIY'd his own free valve in his garage. Super cool interview. I know I have a lot of newer listeners to the show who might not be completely caught up. So you definitely want to catch that interview. It is cool stuff indeed. Now, Koenigsegg... Um, has come out with their uh, CC850 supercar. And it has uh, 1,385 horsepower, makes 1,020 pound-feet of torque. It is allegedly the 
most powerful production car currently on the market in terms of sheer horsepower numbers. And that's, uh, it's hard to say production car because they're only making 50 of these. Also because it's Christian von Koenigsegg's 50th birthday. So they're making 50 of these cars. Um, so that's, the, I, I don't know, 50 cars. I don't know if that really counts as production car level. They're all handmade too. But what is so fascinating about this car, firstly, is it is a, as they say, a continuation of their very first car, the CC8 uh, S. And uh, the, the the first car they made was is, is, is very interesting, right? It's what got Koenigsegg on the map. And it's 20 years. This is also a 20th anniversary celebration for, I guess, uh, Koenigsegg's first car, which is cool. I like that. And the uh, the CC8S is, is a very cool-looking car. I think it aged very well. So they basically are making that. The new CC850 is essentially that, but modernized a little bit. Not much modernization needed to happen, though, in terms of aesthetics. Again, very, I think, classically good-looking car that is... I, I hesitate to say timeless, but I think that's a good word to describe it. Now, what's also interesting about this Koenigsegg, remember how I said Koenigsegg does mechanically fascinating things. They engineer and innovate in areas where no one else seems to be doing it. They have developed a manual transmission. It has a clutch. It has a shifter. In fact, it is a gated shifter, as a true supercar transmission should be. A gated manual shifter. Yet, it's also a 9-speed automatic. And how does that work? How does that work? It's absolutely fascinating. And... Um, and we're going to tie this into my previous story with Dodge, too. I make everything tie together. Real cool, right? But let me have, uh, I'll just play this clip here of Christian von Koenigsegg, and he can kind of explain this maybe a little better than I can, seeing as how, you know, he builds the car. Roll clip. I mean, it's really manualized in the sense that your clutch movement from your foot directly actuates the hydraulics for the clutch progressively with your foot movement exactly like a traditional manual car. And the shifter mechanism, which is connected also to the clutch pedal, is also in direct connection with the transmission from all the moving parts and all the movements inside. They are synchronized. We do not have the ability to shift in the LSD, but we have the ability to communicate directly so it becomes exactly like a normal manual. So what Koenigsegg, and what he's saying, is that they have a way to have a shifter, and they've created a mechanical linkage that replicates the feel of an actual uh, manual transmission. Though he doesn't say it this way, I know there's, gonna, there's, there's some electronic wizardry that has to happen for this to, to work. You're communicating, like he said, with the shifter to the transmission to dictate what gear you want, even though... The shifter itself, I don't think, is directly linked. And that's because of a different feature that they included here. And this is this is what leads me to believe that, which is that depending, the, the transmission itself has nine speeds, but the shifter, the shift pattern, is a six-speed transmission. So what do you do with those other three gears? Well, apparently, depending on the drive mode you have selected, will dictate which gear is actually your third gear. It'll, you know, it might be one, you know, your standard drive mode, you know, might be... Uh, you know, one, three, uh, five, seven, you know, whatever, right? It might be skipping gears and you're using that shifter 
and it feels like a manual, but it's actually selecting gears non-sequentially in the transmission itself, because again, that's electronically communicated there. The shifter mechanism, what they developed, is something that really replicates, according to them, the actual feel of that manual transmission shifter. And what's cool is if you change it to, say, a different mode, your sport mode, your track mode, well, maybe the gears are now closer. Now it's more actually one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, or it could be one, two, three, four, five, nine to have that extra overdrive in six gear. Basically, they can program this to actually have, if this makes sense, it's, it's weird to explain it, but they can program the transmission. The actual gears it's selecting can change depending, uh, their relation to your actual shifter can change depending on which mode you're in because it's actually electronically controlled. And what's interesting is the shifter too, I think has one of the coolest implementations of automatic mode to manual mode. And in a lot of, uh, you know, different cars with say paddle shifters, um, you have an automatic mode and you have a manual mode where you use, you use the paddle shifters, right? Uh, this one, the shifter just has two extra spots in the, the gated shifter. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six in the standard H pattern. And then up to the right and to the top, that's reverse. And then down to the left and the further or down to the still on the right side, if you're shifting, but furthest to the right, and then down is just drive. That is just drive. That is now automatic mode. So you're sitting there in automatic mode and you're driving around and it's behaving like an automatic and you want manual mode and you want it now and you don't want to select a, a menu. You don't want to even have to push a button for it. You just grab the shifter and just bump it up into third gear or fourth gear, or wherever gear you need to be in at that speed. And that seems like a very natural way to do that. Instead of, oh, I need a button. I want automatic mode or you know i want to use the paddles and shift real quick uh but then it's going to default back into automatic mode any of that stupid stuff it doesn't happen you just grab the shifter and then put it in first gear and now you're in manual mode and you just drive it like a manual back and forth which i think is cool now how does this tie into dodge because in principle it kind of does and dodge is giving you accentuated kind of fake ev sounds to you know make you feel more engaged as a driver Koenigsegg, on the other hand, is giving you a sort of fake manual transmission experience in a car that's really an automatic. It's just perhaps maybe the best version of that implementation. But also having the whole notion of having a clutch pedal in this is purely, purely for the driver's entertainment. It serves no function whatsoever, just like the electric car sound from the Dodge honestly serves no real performance function whatsoever. This manual transmission with a clutch or this automatic transmission, I should say, with a driver-actuated clutch and a standard manual transmission shifter, it does the same thing, you know? So in principle, they are the same. But I think the way Koenigsegg is executing this makes a lot more sense. And they said that their customers want manual transmissions. They want them. That's what they want. But regulations, especially in certain European countries, are getting even more stingent. Governments and regulators are effectively going to try to phase out the manual transmission probably through the whole notion of well you can't have automated braking with it which you can it's just more expensive to implement that but the whole notion that you have to have automated braking and all this safety stuff the safety stuff is really what is going to regulate manual transmissions into oblivion if we let it do that we need to not let that happen we need to you know be vocal and buy products that are manual transmissions let manufacturers know we want this let governments know when they propose bills to you know ban this stuff, let them know our opinion on it. That's very important. But um, I think the way Koenigsegg is doing this is different. I think it is. It's not disingenuous necessarily. You're still 
shifting the car. It's still giving you that manual involvement. It's giving what the customers want while still being able to physically do what regulations are necessitating uh, in a lot of countries, which is interesting. Now, what's also uh, interesting about this car, just for one, is the sheer beauty of the the Koenigsegg. It's just it's it's an engineering marvel. Everything about it, between the looks, between the way every little part and detail is handmade and and you know precision machined, and the I, again Koenigsegg is by far when I think of a supercar, when I think of quality. Koenigsegg is definitely first to mind now. Uh, Ferrari, they've been around for forever. So, so is Lamborghini. But you don't get that same experience as you do with a Koenigsegg. And Koenigsegg is fairly new to the market. Again, 20 years now. They're new. Compare that to Ferrari. Compare that to Lamborghini. Compare that to Porsche. All these 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 other brands have been around 60, 70, 80 years, if not more, right? So... Um, you know, they're definitely a newcomer to the scene, but they absolutely innovate with everything, which I think is fantastic. I think that is very cool. Um, and I, I think that this is a better way of implementing this whole kind of trick the driver, give them what they want. Right. I think it's a lot more genuine than than giving you fake EV car sounds. Now, another thing they talked about, uh, and, and, and I'm going to wrap this up here because I, I know the show is running long, but Christian von Koenigsegg absolutely shares my opinion on e85 as a fuel and i'm you know, and i've talked about it before on the show right i've talked about how it makes us more energy independent when we make e85 into you know domestically and that's also why e85 has relatively been untouched gas prices you know, when when gas prices have gone up i should say uh when gas prices were hitting five bucks a gallon guess what e85 was still like 295 a gallon and think of it this way when you have something that it's 30% as efficient, but you know there, you get less energy density with E85. But think of it this way: when it's also you know more than 30% cheaper, it still ends up being cheaper to run this stuff, and it makes more power. And overall, it's better for the car. It's and it's a good thing. And uh, here, I'll roll this next clip here. Check this out. We care very much about the environment, but it's also exciting to keep the animal alive with a combustion engine in this low volume. And as the car is lighter and not driven so much, and we don't have to take so much raw material out of the ground, we actually know that this is as environmentally friendly as an electric, especially if you don't drive as much as a normal car and you can drive on biofuel. I think that's cool. And he said that the Koenigsegg, can actually, and because of the way it's developed and the resources and how they manage that and the size of it and how m many resources they need, that it is actually just as environmentally friendly as an electric car. Yet it is 1,300 horsepower with a manual-ish, and uh, ish, I'll add ish to the end of that, a manual-ish transmission, and, uh, and that's just cool. That's very cool. I like what Koenigsegg is doing. I like what they're doing. Now... Am I buying a Koenigsegg anytime soon? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Especially the fact they're only making 50 of that model and they're so expensive. Oh my God, there's just like the average Koenigsegg price is just insane. Hundreds of thousands, if not more, millions in some cases. So yeah, I know, right? This is one of those things like, can we comment on it when we realistically know that very few people are going to get to own one of these? 
I don't know. But it's fun. It looks cool. How about that? It looks cool. Looking cool and going fast, it's more important than anything, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. There you go. Hey, I have gone super long. I have, I have vented on this show today. I have been definitely heated, in my opinion, about Dodge um, and, and, and Koenigsegg and everything and uh, I, I promise we'll be a little lighter on the next show. We're going to be also getting some cool guests. I've been very busy these past couple weeks, so it's been challenging to schedule guests. But uh, but we're going to get some, and I think you're going to enjoy it. It's been a little while since I've had a guest on the show. So we're going to make that happen. And of course, you should subscribe to this show if you have not already. And if you're on Spotify, remember to give it a rating. Yes, six stars. Give it all six of them. Well, Make them add a six star and then give it six stars. Let's do that. Now, I will see you right here, same time, same place on the podcast, also on the radio. If you listen Saturday mornings in Southern Colorado, there you go. Check it out. See you right here next week when, um, I don't know, Leslie Nielsen arrests me for doing something. I don't know what yet. We'll, uh, we'll have to find out.